right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. We last left Svetlana on Christmas 1975, clutching a telephone in her ex-sister-in-law's California home. She just placed what I can only imagine was a very expensive long-distance call from Mill Valley to Moscow, and had spoken directly to her son, Yosef, for the first time in almost a decade. I can't say I understand how exactly she got through to him, or what exactly she felt hearing his gruff voice echoing through the receiver from roughly 6,000 miles away. But this call sets in motion a chain of events that threaten to make my head explode a chain of events that will trap Svetlana in the same cycles she's been stuck in over and over again, a chain of events that will get her from the U.S. to England to Russia and back again. She's been here before, overwhelmed, fired up, impulsive, and unstoppable. But this time, the circumstances are different. This time, it's not just her life she's uprooting. It's her daughter's, too. A daughter who is, quote, as American as apple pie. Ironically, America was never Svetlana's dream. When she made up her mind to defect in 1967, she thought perhaps she could stay in India. At her first press conference in New York, she had high hopes for her new homeland, but she wasn't ready to put a ring on it just yet. Do you intend to make your permanent home in America, and do you intend to apply for American citizenship? Well, uh, I think that uh, before the marriage, it should be love. So <laughs> if I will love this country and this country will love me, then the marriage will be settled, but I cannot say now. So in this episode... We're going to watch Svetlana fall out of love with America and run back into the arms of her ex, the USSR. I'm Dan Katroser, and this is Svetlana Svetlana. You wake up in the morning, you live your day, and then you do it tomorrow and over and over again. Mm-hmm. 
stateless woman of the world. The year is 1977. Both Atari and the Apple II computer make their way to the marketplace. Arnold Schwarzenegger gets swole in the film Pumping Iron, and Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life is number one for 10 straight weeks. And if you were to open the pages of your April edition of McCall's Magazine, you might find yourself reading an article titled The Americanization of Stalin's Daughter, a profile in which Svetlana seems positively happy and free. Living in California, Svet is wearing blue jeans and likes to dance. Adorable little Olga is pestering her mother for Kentucky Fried Chicken and corrects Svetlana's English. Sipping a beer, Svetlana tells the interviewer, I think in English, I dream in English, I read in English, I don't even think about Russia. I'm getting rusty speaking Russian. I have to stop and remember the words. She tells the interviewer that she is, quote, a stateless woman of the world, a Russian defector, an American alien. If all you had to go off of was this article, you'd think Svetlana, while a little unrooted, was living a life of domestic bliss, of absolute normalcy. That is what she wants to give her daughter. And she makes it clear in every interview she gives that Olga is not to know the truth of their lineage. Here she is around that time on Good Morning America. Have you told her who her grandfather is yet? For her own good, she doesn't know much about it, and maybe she isn't going to. I don't think it's necessary for her. And you want your daughter to be completely American? Oh, she will be. She will be. One might wonder if going on Good Morning America to say that she was keeping a secret was the best way to keep that secret, but there are a lot of contradictions when it comes to Svetlana. Because in truth, these years of being a single mom without a stable income in a country where she still wasn't a citizen were, as you might imagine, hard. And in running away from her problems in Russia or at Taliesin, she'd run right into new ones. In her solitude at home, she worries about secret Soviet microwave experiments and plots to kidnap Olga. She clips pictures from magazines of her estranged Russian children, Yosef and Katya, and frames them on the mantle. Eventually, she sees a psychiatrist to work through her, quote, undigested bitterness towards Wes. And she moves around a lot. Svetlana would later write to a friend, I feel very much being a stranger, a pilgrim everywhere, a gypsy of sorts, and I do not mind that. But I carry that inner feeling of home with me everywhere, like a snail carries her shell. Throughout the first seven years of her daughter's life, Svetlana moves them from Scottsdale, Arizona, to Princeton, New Jersey, to Oceanside, California, to La Jolla, and back to Princeton again. And inside of those cities, they're moving from rental houses to purchased ones. Olga is in and out of different public and private schools. Why was Svetlana so driftless, so lost? Why was it that every autumn, as the cold and darkness set in, she'd feel the same familiar urge to blow everything up? November. The dark, short days. The time when my mother took her life. I felt as if I was sinking into dark waters, as it is sometimes in a nightmare when water floods everything, and you know that you are doomed. 
Yet Svetlana is fending off the dark waters, and she sees dry land ahead. Yo-ho, Captain! Thar be America! And so, in 1978, she's back in Princeton once more, and she officially becomes a citizen of the United States. Finally, Svetlana has officially chosen America, and America has chosen her. The story is over. Svetlana will never move again. Until four years later, when she says she's done with America, packs up her daughter, and moves to England. The move comes after a trip Svetlana had taken to the English countryside for a televised interview with the BBC presenter Malcolm Muggridge. It was her first time out of the country since her defection. Dear Mr. Muggridge, I am getting somewhat nervous about meeting you in person because I have been and always wanted to be an ordinary person. Something about Muggridge's plea resonated with her. He seemed interested in Svetlana the person, not Svetlana the headline. I have been pushed around a lot and developed a certain protective habit to say, no, leave me alone, please. But something in your letters has touched me, and I feel I cannot say no to you anymore. We connected with the show's producer, Jonathan Steddall. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Jonathan had been gardening all morning before our chat because he's very British. He's also very warm and introspective, and his relationship with Svetlana didn't end with the show. After we finished the filming, my wife and I showed her around London, and she'd never been to England before. Ah, Great Britain, damp and monarchical and filled with BBC presenters asking her introspective questions. Perhaps England can be her new home. And she decided that she wanted to come and live here, and she settled in Cambridge. 1982. Bangs are in. Prince William comes out of Princess Diana. The Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, runs her country with austerity and hawkishness. And just like that, to quote Carrie Bradshaw, Svetlana sells her Princeton house, enrolls Olga in a British boarding school, and rents a flat in Cambridge just 15 miles from her daughter. Everything is perfect. Olga fits in beautifully at school. And in the storied flats of Cambridge, Svetlana dives back into her writing, working on short stories and even penning her third memoir called The Faraway Music about her time at Taliesin. Feeling anonymous again, Svetlana is hopeful that this time she's finally found her home, where she can be a writer and a mother and live a completely normal life. Svetlana moved to England, and then she asked me to please not let on that she'd come here or where she was, which was fine, and I honoured that, but it was a little bit naive of her to think that, you know, the press wouldn't find out that somebody like her was coming to live here, and of course they did. Svetlana had spent the past decade trying to protect Olga, fighting to protect herself. She tried to secure them a home, anonymity, freedom, but she could only step into the sun and out of her father's shadow for so long. One day, the paparazzi show up at 11-year-old Olga's boarding school in search of Stalin's granddaughter. Svetlana's family secret is out. 
Here's Svetlana's daughter as she told it to me. Mom had to just basically break down and tell me the whole story. I got confined to the house for the next three weeks, keeping the curtains drawn, sneaking out in disguises, getting car chases. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was all just weird. I, I didn't know what to make of it. I mean, it, it was it was not normal. On the one hand, this reveal must have been difficult for both mother and daughter. But on the other hand, it must have been incredibly liberating. No more secrets, no more lies. The Soviet cat was out of the babushka, as someone somewhere probably says. But that wasn't the only secret Svetlana was keeping. See, something else was going on during this time. Something that only Svetlana and a few trusted people knew. Something that must have felt at the same time wildly dangerous and painfully hopeful. Over the last decade, Svetlana had been playing a strange game of late-stage Cold War telephone with her son. There were letters and photos in the mail, journalists playing middleman. Svetlana's friend, George Kennan, had advised against any further contact. It was too dangerous, both for her and her son. But all of that changes one December in Cambridge. Svetlana is in her flat when the phone rings. Mama, is that you? Asks the gruff voice of her son on the other end of the line. Svetlana's heart is a flutter. She remembers the last time they spoke at Christmas when the call was cut short. She knows she has to speak, and speak quickly. Your voice has changed so, she tells her son, who laughs and spits back, you too, you speak like a Russian tourist. They chat some more, and Yosef gives her his personal phone number. And soon, they are connected, really connected, trading phone calls back and forth. Svetlana and Olga talk to Yosef and to his new wife, Luda. Yosef and Luda even ask if Svetlana and Olga could come and visit Russia. Over the next year or two, more invitations are made. Could Yosef come to England? Oh no, maybe Svetlana and Olga can meet them in Finland. Why don't you come here to Russia? It sounds like they're planning an ordinary family vacation, but when you're the descendants of Stalin and the Iron Curtain is still hanging tight, this is all very high stakes. And there's something about it that is unsettling to Svetlana. I now found it unexpectedly difficult to combine my usual life in the West with the news from out there. Blending the two worlds was difficult for me. I had separated them in my psyche with walls. Svetlana has a daughter now, a completely westernized one. She can see that a return would not be in Olga's best interests. And she can see that any move, no matter how personal her motivations, will be construed as political. And yet... The more my mind realized what a shock my trip to the USSR would be for everyone, the more my heart insisted on it, for its own reasons. In September 1984, Svetlana seeks guidance from her astrological horoscope. It read not to make right now any big decisions, for clear understanding of things is somewhat befogged. 
and in absolutely iconic fashion. She does not take this advice. What nonsense, I said to myself. And I sat down to write a letter to the Soviet ambassador with a request to permit me to return to my motherland. Our stateless woman of the world is going back to the USSR. After the break. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Act 2. There's no place like home. You know that feeling you get when you've decided that you are in fact going to have pizza for dinner? You've scrolled through all the other options, but valiantly landed on some za because you deserve it and today has been a day. That pizza is on its way feeling? I'd like to think that's what Svetlana is experiencing as she prepares to take a delicious bite of her children. The plan comes together faster than she'd ever thought possible. Olga had a fall semester break coming up, and Svetlana would use that opportunity to take her daughter to Russia. Now, there is only one problem. She has sort of, kind of, maybe suggested to Olga that the two of them are sort of, kind of, maybe just going on a little vacation to Greece. At the last possible minute, the truth comes out. She just said, we're going to go move to Russia. So I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried the whole night, and I cried the whole morning, and then she she said, okay, we won't. (laughs) Which I think she just lied. So, as the Beatles once sang... Joseph Stalin's daughter Svetlana is back in the USSR 17 years after she defected to the West. Friends say she never got over the life that she left behind. She said that 
not for one single day was she free while in the West. She also said that she had complete legal control over her 13-year-old American-born daughter, Olga, who returned with her to Moscow. At 59 years of age, she has decided to return home to live with the past. Okay, pause. Let's take a moment to reflect on this. The Princess of the Kremlin is on her way back to the USSR, the land of ice skates and communism, where the roads are paved with caviar and borscht. This is, of course, a big flippin' deal. The USSR is in decline. The Soviets are bolstering Joseph Stalin's memory as the World War II hero who defeated the Nazis. And now, his daughter, the Princess of the Kremlin, is undefecting, proving that life in Russia is as good as it gets, trading capitalism back in for communism. Well, that's a hot piece of propaganda. But when Svetlana arrives in Moscow, she doesn't want the big press conference. She doesn't want to give interviews. All she wants is to go somewhere quiet and private and hug the sun she hasn't touched in almost two decades. At first, Svetlana and Olga have to do some boring bureaucratic shit. Meeting with a committee of Soviet women, getting ushered from room to room, handing over their U.S. passports. But finally, the moment arrives. The Hotel Sovietsky sits right in the middle of Moscow. It is a big, brown, impressive structure. Inside, the decor is 19th century chic. Chandeliers, ornate moldings, pillars, burgundy carpets. Golden crowned birds peek out of corners, just to remind you that here, there are golden crowned birds. This is the grandiose, ostentatious landing pad for Svetlana, a woman who had never been one for pomp and circumstance. She cares little for the backdrop. What she cares about is the man who awaits her. And finally, in the white marbled lobby, she sees him. Her 39-year-old son, Yosef. They embrace quickly. Here she is, holding her son, him holding her. It had been nearly 18 years. When she releases herself from the overdue hug, she sees who else is with him her ex-husband, Yosef's father, and a woman in her mid-fifties with grayish permed hair. Svetlana assumes that this woman is her ex-husband's new wife, but then Yosef intervenes. Mama, he says, this is Luda. Svetlana is taken aback. She describes Luda as portly more than once in her writing and can't fathom how Yosef has married someone his mother's age. But that was just the start of her concerns. He looks much older than his 39 years, somewhat baldish with somewhat of tummy. Nothing is left of that slim, quick boy with shining eyes. The other weird thing is that though Yosef was fluent in English, he says not one word to his English-speaking little sister. He merely looks 13-year-old Olga up and down. At dinner, things get even more awkward. Svetlana's first husband, Yosef's father, tries to make conversation in Russian, but Olga doesn't understand anything. Yosef holds his mother's hand throughout the meal, but he remains silent. Svetlana can feel her heart breaking. Her daughter, Katya, doesn't show up at all. My sister was never in on this. She was absolutely 100% communist. She turned her back on my mother when she defected, and that was it. And she's lived on top of this volcano. A quick aside, 
This is not a Russian euphemism that doesn't translate. Svetlana's daughter literally became a geophysicist studying volcanoes in the remote peninsula known as Kamchatka. So not exactly the reunion anyone was hoping for. After dinner, things go from awkward to hostile. Svetlana is harassed by the press and police on the street. When things get tense, she loses her cool. The daughter of Joseph Stalin was not happy about her involuntary meeting with Western newsmen today. You are savages. You are uncivilized people. She wasn't about to tell where her daughter Olga was either. Stop your bloody business. Stop. Stop. It was just a front line of paparazzi outside the front. I wouldn't know until years later. But that's how people who I knew here, my father included, were keeping tabs on us. Wes alleges that Svetlana kidnapped Olga, intensifying the media circus. There are fears tonight for the happiness of a 13-year-old California-born girl named Olga. She happens to be the granddaughter of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. Olga's father, William Wesley Peters, thinks that the girl may have been taken against her will. Svetlana and Olga are under constant state surveillance. Mrs. Aliluyeva is staying at a hotel where the Soviets often house visiting dignitaries. The hotel is under constant guard from uniformed and plainclothes police. Sources have told CBS News that she is staying as a guest of the government. All her expenses are being picked up by the state. And where Svetlana had once felt like a, quote, CIA pet, she now felt like a KGB puppet. Any decision to talk to the press officially would probably be made by the Soviet foreign ministry, which has organized news conferences in the past for former defectors. They are usually trundled out before the cameras, they denounce the West, endorse the Soviets, and when they're no longer needed, they usually fade from public view. Oh, if only they would let Svetlana fade. Everywhere she goes, she's being watched, questioned, lampooned. All of this might have been bearable, worth it even, if Svetlana had gotten what she'd come for, a happy little family reunion. But instead, she rarely sees Yosef. And when she does, the encounters are so icy, Yosef's father has to step in. Svetlana writes, We would freeze together alone. She and Olga would both come to believe that her son and his wife were in cahoots with the KGB, that they'd simply done their part in an effort to get her back onto Soviet soil. It just, it was all just reeked of KGB. There's no other way. <laughs> that they would be able to call each other. She would later go on to say that it was, I mean, it was definitely pulling at her heartstrings, but it was all staged. Russia got its marker back. Russia got its mascot. Just like when Svetlana flew to Taliesin West under the pretense of finding family, she now finds herself in Moscow, useful for only her name. Her son is married to a woman her age, her daughter is married to a volcano, and Moscow feels like a, quote, huge graveyard, sad and isolated. It's November again. She's lost, she's trapped, she wants to go home. But where is home? It wasn't Taliesin, it wasn't California, it wasn't Princeton, it wasn't England, and now for sure she knows it's not Moscow. Much like after I've eaten that entire pizza by myself, Svetlana was filled with guilt and unable to sleep. And then... Suddenly, amidst the sleepless night of anxiety and doubt, emerged the image of a country where were born 
lived, married, almost all my ancestors. Ah, Georgia, a fragrant land full of old stone churches cut into the hills, fine art and storied history. If anywhere was home, it was the home of her ancestors. When Svetlana flew to Taliesin to meet Olgavana, she had been seduced by the idea of being near a Balkan maternal figure. Georgia was full of them. If anywhere was home, it was the home of her ancestors. As much as I want to honor Svetlana's line of thinking here, I do want to point out that this late-night revelation-slash-decision-to-move This is all part of a cycle that she just keeps repeating again and again. But what's interesting, or maybe just sad, is that this cycle had previously taken years. Now, it's tightening. No sooner does Svetlana declare someplace home than she declares it her prison. So, two months after their arrival in Moscow, Svetlana yanks Olga out of her public school and mother and daughter head south across the border, over the range of the Caucasus Mountains, to the capital of Georgia, to Tbilisi. Georgia is a place of great meaning, where both sides of Svetlana's family had lived, crossed paths, and changed the course of history, where the Bolsheviks had rallied, and where the Alleluyevs had sheltered a young Yosef Jugashvili, the man who would become Joseph Stalin which means Joseph Man of Steel, which sounds like a great porn star name, honestly. Svetlana had been running from her father for most of her life. Now, she was heading right back to where he'd been born and raised. After the break. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 
three, a repeat of Act One. It's time for some fun facts about Georgia, or FAG for short. Georgia is considered the birthplace of wine. Georgia has 12 climate zones. Georgia the country is not the same as Georgia the state. And in December of 1984, Georgia becomes the new home of Svetlana and Olga Peters. The Times of London reports they've been allocated a flat in a prestige block reserved for Georgian VIPs. They're offered a car and chauffeur. The Soviets are trying hard to keep Svetlana happy, but it seems to make her squirm. Here's Rosemary. Svetlana was given so many things to keep her there, including, you know, chauffeur, wonderful apartment, all of which she refused, in the name of her own integrity. Svetlana and her daughter visit Stalin's birthplace, the town of Gori. They find that it's something of a shrine. There's even a Joseph Stalin museum built around his childhood home, glorifying his life. Svetlana tries to bite her tongue. I already seemed to be a somewhat strange bird to the Georgians anyway. The admirers of my father thought I did not pay enough respect and attention to his memory. Either Svetlana was hated as the daughter of Stalin or loved as the daughter of Stalin. And as Svetlana is yearning for home, yearning for family, feeling lost and confused and pulled in different directions, she finally hears from her daughter Katya, who closes her incendiary letter with the Latin phrase dixit, meaning she has spoken. Great. Is anyone else getting a little deja vu? Like, haven't we been stuck inside of the Soviet Union, feeling like a pawn, feeling misunderstood, cast hopelessly in the eternal role as a child of Stalin before? It's the kind of thing that would make someone want to un-un-defect. Ah, not Russia anymore. Away with the Soviets and the handlers and the people obsessed with Stalin and not in a good way. The story of how Svetlana and her daughter Olga got out of Russia in the spring of 1986 is really interesting, and I would so tell it to you. But the thing is, you already know it. It's happened before. This second Soviet defection is begging for passports, leaving in the middle of the night, working diplomats on both sides of the globe, even a pit stop in Switzerland. There are car chases and paparazzi for Olga and no certainty for Svetlana until she touches down in the United States of America. Even Svetlana can see it's ridiculous. In what bad movie, in what amateurish screenplay would a fledgling writer dare to arrange all the events and facts so as to repeat the final scene with the opening scene in such detail? In my life, it was as if some joker playwright was doing just that, forcing me down his chalk line in a repeat of Act One. For the record, that joker playwright is me! Olga goes back to boarding school in England, where all of her classmates have carried on without her. The late Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin's granddaughter went back to school in the West today, Olga Peters arrived at the Quaker boarding school she attends in England. It was a tearful reunion with the classmate she left 18 months ago when she went back to the Soviet Union with her mother. 
Olga speaks to reporters waiting for her at her school, telling them that she doesn't regret the experience, she's glad to be back, and that she and her Russian family simply, quote, didn't know what to say to each other. And Svetlana goes back to the U.S. and hides out in a farmhouse in the Driftless, Wisconsin. Svetlana Alelyeva is back in the United States tonight after once again abandoning the Soviet Union. The daughter of the late Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin is staying with friends in Wisconsin. That's right. Of all the places she could have gone, Svetlana is living once again mere miles from Taliesin. When I think about this chapter of Svetlana's life, bursting out of Moscow again, landing with international fanfare back in the English-speaking West again, I can't help but think that Svetlana had not only repeated her escape from Soviet Russia, but she had unwittingly forced Olga to do it too. So now look at them, tornadoing around the globe, uprooting themselves and everything in their path. Olga wants stability. Svetlana wants home. What do they have left? Each other and the story of it all. On the next and final episode of Svetlana, Svetlana. Svetlana Svetlana is a production of iHeart Podcasts and The Documentary Group. I'm your host, Dan Katroser. The show is written and produced by me, Adam Weber, Allison Joy, and Catherine Isaac. We also serve as executive producers. At The Documentary Group, our executive producer is Joe Batsilowitz, with production oversight by Stacey Klieger and additional support from Tom Yellen and Gabrielle Tenenbaum. Our iHeart team is supervising producer Casey Pegram and executive producer Maya Howard, editing assistance from producers Christina Loringer and Joey Pat, original music by Elon Isakoff, production counsel by Sloss Eckhouse Dasty Haynes Lawco, clearance counsel by Ballard Spar, fact checking assistance by Megan Trout. Special thanks to my husband, Jordan Siegel. Excerpts from Svetlana Alieva's book, A Book for Granddaughters are performed by Cassie Greer. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives with 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional. You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.